Page 89. Page 89. We are looking at how we can share without fear, but with joy. All right, sharing with joy. Whenever we have an opportunity to share, there's some trepidation involved, right? There's some feelings of intimidation sometimes, right? Some fear. Uh, what if what I have to say they don't they don't accept, or what if they, you know, insult me or something like that? All right. Well, the lesson today is about sharing with not fear or doubt or hesitation, but sharing with joy. So the first question that we have on page eighty nine is, what do you like so much that it's hard to share? Oh, bread and high food. <laughs> food. Okay. Is it all food or some special food? Yes, Everything. Everything. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? Clothing. Clothes. Okay. You like clothes a lot. You like to share it. Anybody else? Jewelry. Jewelry. You like everything. Eh? <laughs> All right. You like the stuff that you don't so much that you don't like to share. What else do we like that we don't like to share? Now, it don't have to be limited to food or, or clothing. It could be it could be it include technology. It could include music, uh, experiences, cars, and and all that kind of stuff. All right. What else do we like so much that we don't like to share? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. That's right. Your husband. Okay. You don't want to share that. Huh? To be in a rolling car because everybody don't drive alike. You okay? Everybody don't drive alike. Uh, car, I understand the cars last longer when they have only one driver. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I guess everybody like that one. Uh, don't like to share. Uh, one driver. You think you would like to share the money? Money is another one. Yeah. Okay. Money is another one. Especially when you run into people and say, who like to say, lend me? <laughs> and, and, and you're never going to get paid back. Oh, so. you got to give if you think you're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's look at uh, page 90. Bible meets life. I can share Christ with joy no matter what. The Bible meets life. My friend Joel led a church planning program in Kiev, Kiev, Ukraine, for over 10 years. He used to have a map hanging in his office that was dotted with pictures of church planners leading churches all across the former Soviet Union. On a visit to Kiev, I showed a friend this map on Joel's wall. I pointed to Emmanuel from Lithuania a massive guy with tattoos on every finger. Emmanuel once described how, while in prison, he would rip out pages of the Bible, fill the paper with marijuana, and proceed to puff away. But now, Emmanuel is no longer in prison, and he no longer smokes the Bible. Now he preaches the Bible. How in the world does a person go from smoking the Bible and living in opposition to the gospel, to preaching the Bible, and telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ? The answer is simple. Jesus changes lives. 
Emmanuel found a far greater joy in knowing and sharing Jesus. In the same way, Paul, once a terrorist against the church, became a joyful evangelist within the church. Okay, and what is the point of our lesson today? I can share Christ with joy no matter what. Okay, no matter what the circumstances, what you're going through, what people may say, think, or thought, you can share Christ with joy no matter what, right? Okay, let's look at the passage. The first passage we're going to look at on page 91. Uh, chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Philippians. Now I want you to know, brothers, that when what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance in the advance of the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment, and they are even more to speak the message fearlessly. Okay, let's look at the verses to the paragraph beneath that now. Paul was in prison because of his ministry. But as he wrote to the Philippians, he didn't focus on his incarceration. He didn't whine about his luck. Instead, he took a divine perspective on the whole situation, reminding the church that even while he was in prison, God's mission was being accomplished. People were being positively impacted by his imprisonment. Christians were being emboldened. We can learn from Paul because this divine perspective isn't always easy to adopt. Circumstances can drain the joy right out of us. And frankly, ministry can also use of our joy. The key to maintaining joy in life and ministry is to hold on to the source of our joy. Stay focused on Jesus. The best news for Paul was that his trials had served to advance the gospel, particularly in the political center of the world, Rome. Not only were the guards and Roman officials hearing the good news, but Paul also had been placed in the great city where his witness was impacting many others. Because he cared about the gospel more than his own comfort or his personal ambitions, he could rejoice. Let's pray for great courage as we joyfully make the gospel known to people. If you find yourself in a great trial, you certainly should pray and seek the support of others. But also, be encouraged to see hardships as an opportunity. In adversity, we get to advertise the Savior's grace. We get to testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice that first paragraph there. Paul was in prison because of his ministry. But as he, as he wrote to the Philippians, he didn't focus on his incarceration. He, was in, he didn't show a great big pity party because he was locked up in jail, like some people do. He didn't whine about, boy, my luck body. 
No, he didn't talk about his bad luck. Instead, he took a divine perspective on the total situation that he found himself in. And he reminded the church that even while he was in prison, God's mission or God's purpose for his life was still being accomplished. People who are positively, who, who were being positively, people were being positively impacted by his imprisonment. And Christians were being emboldened. In other words, Christians were challenged to have greater courage because of Paul being in prison. One of the things, something else we notice uh, about Paul's, how great Paul's impact was when he was in prison. Verse 3 and 4. The gospel, verse 13, uh, is a reminder to us or challenges us that this pioneer advance of the gospel was literally throughout the whole imperial guard that was in prison. Every single, today we would call them prison officers, all right, but the entire staff of the prison guard, the imperial guard, were being impacted by Paul's imprisonment. This referred to Caesar's bodyguards, or his personal bodyguards. Paul no doubt meant that the gospel message was spreading through the soldiers. In other words, the soldiers were talking about Paul, and they were talking about the things that Paul was talking about. And so, in a roundabout way, the soldiers were declaring the gospel because of Paul being there and sharing the gospel with them as well. And so, what Paul was talking about was the topic of the entire barracks of the prison, and uh, the conversation was always about this fellow named Paul, and how he was locked up, and he was actually chained between two guards 24-7. So imagine what happened when he had to go to the, to the toilet. They had to go with him. They wasn't going to lose the, the shackles of him and let him go. They went with him. Okay, 24-7 he was chained between two guards. That speaks of the kind of threat that they thought Paul was. Uh, 24 hours a day. Restricted. But he was always rejoicing while he was in captivity. Not only the imperial guard, but everyone else in Rome heard, heard the gospel message. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, Paul included in the salutation from the saints at Rome to those of Philippi, those of Caesar's household. Now remember, he's writing, he's greeting the Christians at Philippi, and he includes in that greeting those of Caesar's household, which means that everybody was impacted. Perhaps even some of the emperor's families became acquainted with the gospel and had gotten saved. God converted. Paul's message and preaching was the talk of the day, we would say today. It was common knowledge that his imprisonment was nothing more than for the cause of Christ. And we see reference to that in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 20. And so as Paul discussed his case, word spread that Paul was in prison because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel would then be shared and explained in ever-increasing circles in the whole population. Now think about that now. This fellow locked up in jail. And he's, the gospel that he's preaching is being declared outside of the jail. That's the kind of influence that Paul had. That's the kind of impact 
uh, that he had. Okay, question number two. When have you been encouraged by the faith and perseverance of others? When was the last time you've been encouraged by someone whose faith and perseverance was just outstanding, overwhelming? I mean, they really impact you by their faith and their perseverance. They went through a lot of difficulties and challenges, but they were still persevering. Know anybody like that? That encouraged you? But I was encouraged this morning by Tony Evans on his message, telling us how to live more optimistic minded. I was very much impressed about that. Okay. I was so impressed about that when I was later to especially. I had somebody in this moment. Confessing that. Then, you know, I, you know, I like to share the reality of it. Mm. And I didn't want to put it to get ready to go away. When I told you to finish the get ready to take $200, or the money said for the end of the day. That's conviction. I impressed, you know. Mm. He was really telling us to stay focused on the kingdom. And when God takes something from you, he have another grace for you. If you, anyhow, his whole idea is this giving. Take more kingdom, I was very impressed. Okay, so he's uh, gave you some encouragement. Yes, Anybody else? I was impressed on Friday. Sister Brenda and I started simpler. Um, they were talking about sowing a seed. Now, I always say so, but the way how it was explained and the way how the preacher was laboring with perseverance with the sewing, mm-hmm. it really did something to me. And I bought a special offer this morning. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. This is Nancy. Yes. Um, I have been encouraged through this ordeal with my husband. And I emailed and called and let everybody know what's going on and all the feedback as we are praying for them. Almost every single person that I let them know are praying for them. And that helped me to keep going. Okay, great. All right, in verses 12 to 14, Paul talked about the positive effects of his imprisonment when it came to sharing the gospel. As we now move to verses 15 to 19, we'll see that evangelism also brought Paul a lot of criticism. And that's one we don't like to hear, right? Because the gospel does bring criticism. People talk about you, and the things that they say say aren't really good, right? So let's look at um, page 92 again and read verses 15 to 19. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of goodwill. These do so out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of bribery, not sincerely, seeking to cause me anxiety in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, because I know this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
Okay, before we look at those paragraphs, we notice that uh, in verse 17 and 18, um, we notice that opponents preached Christ out of rivalry. So there were a lot of people preaching the gospel, but some were preaching it out of rivalry. And this suggests a view of success, not in bringing converts to, to Christ. So they were thinking about the success of preaching, but not the results of the preaching. Okay? And this is bringing kind of harm to Paul. They sought to elevate their own standing and cause and Paul and cause Paul's anxiety to, to be increased. Uh, he was oppressed by what they were doing. The great apostle evaluated these preachers and found no cause for rebuke. Their message was Christ. Their, meth their method was proclamation. When Paul elsewhere had much to say about the believer's motivations, in this case, their impure motives were directed at him, not at the gospel, nor at Christ. Therefore, he chose to let God deal with their motives. In other words, there are people who are going to criticize you when you share the gospel, when you share the, the gospel, especially with joy. And Paul had that same experience, but he didn't let that bother them, bother him. Instead, he said, you know what? I'm going to leave them to God. God's going to deal with them. And that's one way we can see from Paul's life how to deal with criticism. Paul simply rejoiced that the gospel was spreading far and wide. That was his major concern. Indeed, that he was his singular mission in life was being accomplished. Despite false motives, the word carries the idea of an ulterior motive. Paul's enemies were preaching the gospel. Paul's optimism was obvious. Even wrong motives could result in people coming to Jesus Christ. So don't be too concerned about the motives people have when they insult you and criticize you for preaching the gospel. Because God is going to use whatever they do to bring people to the gospel anyway. Remember when Joseph's brothers uh, sold him into slavery and, and all that stuff? And when they finally came and found out that Joseph was the big man in Egypt, they started trembling. Mm -hmm. And what Joseph said to them? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Exactly. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The same thing applies with the gospel in terms of criticism. Okay, the people who criticize you for sharing the gospel, they're going to mean it for bad. But God is going to use it for good. And we see that happening here in Paul's life in this, in this, 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 uh, this passage. Even the wrong motives can result in people coming to know Christ. Therefore, Paul looked to the results, not the motives. And as a result of looking at the results, he rejoiced. In other words, he looked past the insults and the criticisms, and he saw the end result, God's will being accomplished. And that's a good lesson for us to take uh, from Paul's example. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs now beneath that verse. Paul mentioned two different motives driving to two different types of evangelists. Envious evangelists preached out of strife and envy, driven by selfish ambition. They looked at Paul's imprisonment as an occasion to tear him down, 
to stir up trouble and elevate their history over false. Empathetic evangelists preached out of goodwill, driven by love. They cared about Paul and understood he was in prison for God's sovereign will and not as a result of Paul's obedience or unfaithfulness. In verse 18, we see the message mattered more to Paul than the messengers or their motives. Paul never tolerated those who preached a false gospel. In fact, he wrote in his letter to the Galatians to oppose any attempts at a false gospel. But if the true gospel was preached, then Paul would re could rejoice. Certainly Paul would have preferred to have the right message for the right motives, but he placed the highest importance on the message itself. Such a strategy still works today, proclaiming the good news to people even as we live attractive and joyful lives before them. Let's care about Jesus' glory more than our own, and let's rejoice continually until we see him face to face. Okay, now let's continue down on page 94. Continue reading on 94. Anyone who follows Christ should prepare for criticism. You should be ready to follow Paul's example. He didn't try to defend himself. He simply stayed focused on living his life for Christ and proclaiming the truth. He put the gospel first. You can't control what others think of you. All you can do is finish your race with faithfulness. In verse 19, Paul revealed two things he relied on in his ministry, even while in prison. Those were the prayers of the church and the help of the Holy Spirit. May we rely on these each day. Like Paul, we can share the gospel with joy, no matter our circumstances. To do that, we need to keep it simple and focus on Jesus. We need to put the gospel first. We need to care about other people and the glory of Christ more than our own glory. And we must persist when the haters hate. Okay. A couple of things we noticed there uh, from those uh, passages are major points on pages 92 and 94. The first one is uh, basically three points. The first one is Paul mentioned two different motives driving two different types of evangelists. What were they? Envious and Right. Envious evangelists, evangelists and empathetic evangelists. Okay. And we have those same two types of people today. Okay. There's only two types and we got them today too. Okay, the second thing we notice in verse 19, Paul revealed two things he relied on in his ministry. Even while in prison, those were the prayers of the church, totally relied on the prayers of the people who were praying for him, and the help of the Holy Spirit. Two things that we need today, okay? We need people to pray for us, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. Now, who's the Holy Spirit? He is the one who is called alongside of us to help us out. Okay, whenever we get in a little problem, God has somebody there who's got your back. God, the Holy Spirit, is there to help you. The Greek word is paraclete, and it means one called alongside to help. That's his job. That's the Holy Spirit's job to help us out. Okay, one of his jobs. 
And, that, and, and, and the challenge is that may we rely on both of these, the prayers of God's people and the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't brush it off when a person says they're praying for you. Take it seriously, because God is attentive to the prayer of the saints. And God is very much concerned, and he gives us uh, that medium called prayer. Do you realize what prayer can do? Oh, We've seen what prayer can do, right? We see the sister was praying for a heart. God gave her a heart. And the answer's brother was waiting for a heart from King Hamo's archer. And he still didn't get it yet. But see the difference that prayer makes. God answers prayer. And then the third and final point we, we note from the passage is that Paul, like Paul, we can share the gospel with joy regardless of our circumstances. In other words, don't let the circumstances you're in determine how you treat the gospel. Okay? To do that, we need to keep it simple and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so those are a couple of points, uh, three points that we get from those passages uh, that we need to keep in mind. Question number three on page 92. What do these verses teach us about sharing Christ? When we look at those verses, what do they teach us about sharing Christ with others? Anybody? Be excited and share the joy. Be excited and share the joy, okay? What else? Don't let the circumstances dictate how you do it, right? Or where you, whether you do it or not. All right? Do it with joy and don't let the circumstances dictate. Okay. As we conclude with verses 20 to 21, we'll find one of Paul's most famous declarations and a great challenge for our faith today as we seek to live for the Lord in the way that he calls us. So let's look at that last verse on page 94, verse 20 to 21. Go ahead, Sister Brenda. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, living is Christ. And dying is gain. Okay, now let's look at that fourth question there on page 95. Why do we sometimes feel ashamed about sharing the gospel? Sometimes, when we share the gospel, people are watching you. You have to know sometimes they're living right. You know, your life has to be lined up with the gospel. You know, mm -hmm. you know, you can't be having three hard and all that. And people know it. If your life is lined up with God, you share it with joy. Okay. If you have a little secret to share. Okay. So people are ashamed <laughs> to share the gospel because they, are, they fear that some people may know something about their lifestyle that don't line up with their faith. Okay. And so they keep their mouth shut. Now, there, there are times where, you know, the demons know a lot of stuff, right? And sometimes people are possessed in such a way where they could shame an individual because they know that that person has not been living the way they ought to live and they do it through somebody who that person is trying to share the gospel with. And we've heard many stories about that that actually true. 
where people are living such wicked lives that demons are actually controlling their lives and they went to somebody and they tried to share the gospel and the person said to them, you think I don't know what you're doing it? You keep in sweet habit, who is so and so and so? And the person was shocked that this person knew what was going on in their life because they thought it was a secret. Okay, but that's how the devil works. And so we don't brush off stuff like that. So some people, because they know some of the things that they're doing in their life, they're ashamed to share the gospel with other people. And then, then they're just, just, some people just ashamed to be identified with Christ, period. Okay? Uh, so that's one of the reasons. There's a couple of reasons. Okay, let's look at the uh, paragraphs beneath that verse. Whatever you set out to do in life, in work, or in your family, make this your plan for the future. Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by talk about a mission statement. But Paul didn't stop there. He added in verse 21, for me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Three things stand out about that declaration. The public nature of the statement Paul was public about his ambition to live for Christ. He gladly let others see it. We should be sure what's most important to us by how we live. Paul knew that if he controlled, if continued. he controlled to live. He continued to live. If he continued to live. If he continued to live, it would translate into fruitful work. You can't say you're living for Christ if you're not working for Him. So if you're going to represent Him, go public. <laughs> Grace in this statement. Paul's goal was to know Christ fully and live for Him. But as he stated in Philippians 3, 12-15, he had not yet attained this goal. Paul didn't achieve perfection, but God's grace was with him. His life for Christ still resulted in fruitful work. As before, our lives flow from our union with Christ. We need his grace to represent him. Each day, we must saturate ourselves in his grace and then resolve to live faithfully for him. Before a watching world, that's right. This steadfast attitude in this statement. When we are living in the grace of Jesus, empowered by His Spirit, we can share Paul's unstoppable, joyful mentality. We can live courageously for Christ, knowing that if we die, we will be with him. Be kind of lose. Do you see the power of this perspective? Kill me. I'll be with Christ. Let me live. I'll live for Christ. Make me suffer. I'll experience joy and get reward by Christ. This is the unstoppable mentality of the Apostle Paul. Lord, give this to us. Amen. Amen. This can be our mentality as well. But only when we treasure Christ above all things. 
How would you feel in this life? For me to live is Christ. If you say Christ, then that is gain to you. If you get, if you put money, sex, power, or anything else in the blank, then it's time to repent and make some serious changes. Nothing else satisfies, and nothing else will last. In Christ, we can have irrepressible, irrepressible, irrepressible joy in a life worth living and courage in death way dying. But in Christ alone, we can experience great joy as we share Christ. Consider these suggestions for putting that truth into action. Okay. All right. So let's look at question number five. Uh, how can we help one another to be bold in sharing the gospel? How can we help one another to be bold in sharing the gospel? Encourage them, okay. Encourage them to be faithful. Amen. Anyone else? Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Encouragement is good. Pray for them, okay. Okay, support. Okay, support them. And live your life in such a way to convict them. When they say you live in Christ like they would be, they would take the same thing on. Our life speaks the Lord. Okay. Okay, notice uh, uh, what he says here. He says, do you see the power of perspective? Kill me, I'll be with Christ. Let me live, I'll live for Christ. Make me suffer, I'll experience joy and get rewarded by Christ. This is the unstoppable mentality of the Apostle Paul. This can be our mentality as well, only when we treasure Christ above all things. So what's the point of our lesson today? I can share Christ with joy no matter what, right? Okay, now let's look at how we can live this out. Our time is rapidly going here. We're wrapping up here. Let's look at how we can live, it, live, it, live this out during the week as we leave here today out of these four walls and go out into the world and be challenged because the devil could test you. One of the things about studying God's word is that you always get a test. And guess who it comes from? That's right. The devil. That's right. Okay. We can experience great joy. That's page 96. We can experience great joy as we share Christ. Consider these suggestions for putting the truth into action this week. Treasure Jesus above all. Take a few moments to repent of desiring other things more than your Savior. Ask the Father to wean you off the pleasures of sin in this world. And then two, pray for people you don't ordinarily pray for. Remember that disgusting neighbor who always get on your case? Okay. That neighbor who cuss like a drunken sailor? Them people who each other, you know, you don't want. Pray for them. Okay? Think about your critics, attackers, or enemies. Think about people you envy. Think about people in other churches. Pray for each of them to know Christ and to make Christ known. See, the only way the only way you're going to get rid of that problem that you have with that neighbor is if they get saved. That's why you got to pray for them to get saved, right? 
reach out. Now you get to pray for them people in the back of me who always have and they party with loud music. You play, they play their music and their party and everything in the house vibrating. You know, and you want to call the police. And then the third thing is reach out to people who need the gospel. Intentionally initiate a conversation with someone who needs Christ. Ask the Father to fill you with joy and confidence as you share the truth this week and beyond. So not only this week, but beyond this week. Okay, last thought. There are lots of people in today's world who would rather smoke the Bible than read it. You may, you may know some of them, right? That shouldn't surprise us, nor should it take away our joy. Instead, it should motivate us to get to work. Amen?